This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church, as part of the 2023 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. My name is Lucas. I think you guys met me last Monday at the introduction of uh, the talks. But my wife is Ariana. Where's Ariana? She gave the Howard talk. And you probably saw our two little boys, Edwin and Calvin. Edwin attempted to sing last night at karaoke. He's supposed to be just unknown, but he's a little shy, so give him a break. Next year, hopefully, he'll get a little bit better. Um, but yeah, this is your first week of evangelism training. Um, and last Monday, I said that I think every, if you're a Christian, I think every Christian is called to be an evangelist. Not just the, the pastors or the experts or the CO staff, but I think that's you. And just think of where you're at. You guys are college students, and you guys have so much life ahead of you and so much potential, not only for the summer, but just for your life. And so I'm just excited to be able to be here with you and help you guys grow in this. And so we, I said this last Monday, but we have two aims for the summer, and it is um, to initiate, help you grow and initiate conversation with unbelievers, to be good conversationalists with people, and then two, this is the definition of evangelism by Max Hyle, to teach the gospel with the aim to persuade. So that's where we're going. Um, but last Monday we talked about how everyone's scared, except Hunter, um, to do evangelism today. Uh, okay, he's still scared. Um, but, yeah, why, why do you think we're scared? I think it is because we're going to go on the beach and we're going to talk to strangers. Um, but why, why are we afraid of going out on the beach? And I think it's because we're afraid of rejection. And rejection kind of hurts. And so, but really quickly, I want the staff, staff, raise your hand if you're nervous to go on the beach. Okay, look, I think every staff person is raising their hands. And so, most of us are nervous. All of us are kind of nervous. And I think being scared or nervous is okay. But the question is, how do we deal with that? And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, this morning, not tonight. But week five, one of our team leaders is going to give a talk that's on barriers and fear. But tonight, this morning, I'm just going to touch on fear a little bit. I think we'll lead right into our main point. And so here's where we're going. Well, we're going to talk about the greatness of God smothers fear. We are natural evangelists for the things we love and the exclusivity of Christ. So um, last Sunday at Surfside Prez, there was a guest pastor from South Africa who came in to preach. And he said something that I thought was super helpful. Um, he was talking about this world, worldview called expressive individualism that I think is permeating our entire culture. And there was a book... Um, written by Brian Rossner, and he summarizes worldview into seven points. And I'm just going to share three. But one is, the best way to find yourself is to look inward. Two, the highest goal in life is happiness. And everyone's quest for self-expression should be celebrated. And so, one of the ways that we function is when we're nervous or scared, we do that first thing. We, we, we look inward. Um, our world is telling you to look within yourself whenever you're feeling scared or nervous or you're not sure about yourself. We all are asking the question, who am I? So who am I? So we, we think things, especially now, we're welcome on the beach. Um, I'm not equipped to share the gospel with anyone. I've only been a Christian for so little. I, they should, someone, someone else should go. Or I'm not very good with words. Um, or maybe that 
pastor or that expert evangelist or the person who knows about apologetics, how apologetics should go. I'm not very good at articulating the gospel. Or maybe you're on the other end and you think, just give me five minutes, I'll be able to convince anyone in that time with the words that I have. So maybe this spectrum, I'm guessing most people are on the front end, uh, but the list could go on. I think this is what we do. And this is what is celebrated in our culture, so look within and ask that question. And, and the interesting thing is, that question is old. Um, so about over 3,000 years ago, Moses was saying the same thing. So we're gonna read a few passages from Exodus 3 and 4 um, to dive into this a little bit. You guys can open your Bible to follow along, otherwise it'll just be right up here. So Exodus 3, 9 through 12. And now behold, the cry of the people, so this is God speaking, um, and now behold, the cry of the, cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? So there it is. That, that's the question. Who am I that I could go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of, of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So we see here God is saying, I'm going to send you. Um, he's, you know, he's speaking for the burning bush, which is a miraculous thing. The bush is not being consumed, but there's flame on it. And he's saying, I'm going to send you, and I will be with you. But Moses is asking the question, similar to us, but who am I? Okay, we're going to keep reading. Then um, we get to Exodus 3, 3, uh, 3, 13 through 14. And then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So this is who God is saying. He doesn't necessarily give them a name. He's just saying, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent me to you. This is incredible. There's been many sermons and books written on this passage. I'm not going to dive that deep into it, but I just want to take a couple minutes. Basically, what I think this means is that God just is, period. Um, this is the most basic fact of all of life. He is a source of all things. He just is. Here's a, here's a list of nine things. Uh, I think this could mean one, he had no beginning. Two, he has no end. He is absolute reality. He is utterly independent on no one. Everything that we know uh, depends on God. He is constant, he never changes. He is the absolute standard of truth, goodness, and beauty. He does whatever he pleases, and it is always right, true and beautiful. And he is the most important reality in the entire universe. So Moses is scared, and he's asking the question, who am I? And God says, I am, is sending you. Like, don't be afraid. Um, I am sending you. I think Mike, during, I think, life training last week, talked about how we were all drawn to something greater than ourselves. Um, a couple days ago, Edwin, Edwin, my son, he's four, he has this stuffed animal. It's a T-Rex, and it's sharp teeth, and he was just fascinated with T-Rex, and he was just asking, what kind of food does T-Rex eat? And I'm like, well, T-Rex, he eats other dinosaurs. And his eyes kind of light up, what? Other dinosaurs? And then he gets interested, and he comes closer. He's like, tell me, what kind of dinosaurs? And then I'm like, well, I think probably raptors. And then he gets closer to my mouth and like puts his fingers in my mouth to give me more answers. It's kind of weird. And he's, <laughs> he's like, 
tell me more. And then I'm like, well, he probably eats um, triceratops. I think he does. Correct me if I'm wrong. And, and then he's like, more? And I'm like, well, probably long necks too, even though those are big. But T-Rex is really, really big. And then he's like, how about giraffes? Because he thinks giraffes are big. I'm like, yeah, probably giraffes. And how about elephants? I'm like, yeah, probably elephants. And then the list could go on. And then he goes, but God is way bigger. Which is always sweet. He's done that a couple times now, which is like, oh, he's, he's being drawn into something that's big, but he's understanding and seeing a glimpse of that God is way bigger than whatever that big thing that he's focused on. But this is what we all do. We love grandness. We love, that's why we, we are in awe of the ocean when we first see it. So Moses has the biggest and most incredible person, God, who is that great I am, sending him. Okay, that's, that's that part. We're going to keep reading. Then, this is what Moses says right after, Exodus 4.1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Okay, there it is again. Moses asked him the question, Who am I? God just told him who he was and who's sending him, and he's just looking right here. He's looking within. Um, and then, I'm going to skip a chunk, but basically God is gracious with Moses and gives him three signs that he can perform to show Pharaoh that God is with him. And then we get more Moses. Verse 10 of chapter 4. But Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not your is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what to do. He shall speak for you, people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. So once you get to this part, it's kind of, I think, kind of laughable. You're like, Moses, you idiot. <laughs> Don't you get it? Um, like, get your eyes off yourself. But isn't this convicting? Like, I'm convicted when I read this, because what did you say? I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech. How many of you are feeling that this morning when you're about to go out on the beach? Um, he's asking the question, who am I? And what does God say? He fires right back and says, um, I made your mouth. Like, the mouth that you're going to speak out, out of, I made it. I'm going to be with you. Um, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, with Aaron. And even in Moses's. Um, this fear, God is gracious to him. He sends him Aaron to go with him, to speak with him, but he's still sending Moses to go. And so you might ask, why do I share this? What does this have to do with evangelism? One of the main points this morning is don't look within and ask who am I, but to look up and ask who is God. So don't look within and ask who am I, but look up and ask who is God. And we saw that God declared to Moses who he was, that he is the great I am. He had no beginning nor no end, and that he would be with Moses. So yeah, we're not, God's not sending you to go to Egypt to free his people out of slavery, but there are verses in the New Testament that says we're called to go to make disciples of all nations or to, to move towards outsiders. Um, 
And so he is sending us, and we have promises that he will be with us. And so I wanted to share two quick stories to help um, flesh this point out. So back in the day, in the 90s maybe, maybe the early 2000s, I was in middle school, and I was hanging out with my, my best friend, Jesse, and his friend, he's a great older than me, but his friend, they were the cool kids, a great older than me, invited him to his backyard to play. But, but, and I wasn't personally invited, and I just, I still remember this for some reason, and I just remember feeling nervous to go because I'm only going because Jesse, who was invited to this guy, who was gonna, he wanted to invite me, but I was in, being invited by the person there, and I just felt like I don't belong there. The person sending me is just my friend, and I wasn't personally invited, so I don't feel like going. There was fear, there was, so the, the, uh, who I was with didn't feel that significant, so I ended up not getting out of my car, and just, his mom drove me back home, and I went home, because I was too scared. Okay, compare that to this other story where, in college, I was, um, used to work a forklift four driving job, and the CEO of that company, who was a billionaire, invited me to go to a Timberwolves game. And he owned eight tickets courtside. This was against the Clippers during regular season. And I remember driving there, and I didn't get a parking, you know, the cheap parking lot. I got to go right up to Target Center, get valet parking, never had it done before. They take, took my car, and I felt like kind of like a boss. So I belong here. I was invited by this guy, this billionaire. And, and then I get a, a whole buffet, free food before the game starts. And I'm there with him. And then I get courtside, I ended up talking to Chris Paul for like a couple minutes, he's a pretty nice guy, even though a lot of people don't like him. Um, and that whole time, I never was wondering, should I be here? Um, but I felt like I have a guy who is the CEO of this company who is sending me, and he was with me, so I felt like I belong here. I didn't feel like I belonged in a kid's backyard, <laughs> but on the courtside of the Timberwolves game, I felt like I belonged. So I think who is sending you and who is with you changes everything. And so who is that? God, God who is the great I am is sending you. And not only is he sending you, he is with you. And I, I really believe that, that we set our eyes on God and to see his glory and his greatness and his holiness, like our fear is going to go away. Like he owns that beach. He made everyone out there. He made you. He fully knows you. And, and Chase alluded to this the first night too, but I, I believe that if we look to God, if we set our eyes on Him, we'll forget about self. We won't be so worried about what others are thinking of us. It's called, I think, blessed self-forgetfulness. So that's the first point. The greatness of God smothers fear. Second one is natural. we are natural evangelists for the things you love. Marie, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty act. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous, wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. So this psalmist, who I think it's David, is, he says his greatness is unsearchable. So God's greatness is unsearchable. And what does that do? It causes him to want to declare his mighty acts, and he will declare his greatness. So I think this is all natural for us. Things that we see as glorious and great, we can't help but want to talk about it. Um, 
And so I have an example um, of this with my, this, where is it? Okay. Where's Derek? Derek, what's something that I love? Uh, World of Warcraft. Okay, what else? I, yeah, that was high school, that high school. You know what I thought of most? Uh, watches from Japan. Okay, that's true. What else? Mopeds <laughs> designed by Honda. What else? <laughs> <laughs> On the M1 microchip by Apple. Okay, what else? Uh, the Remarkable. There we go. This thing, Remarkable. So, I, I like my finger like a pocket book, but we don't do that. So, this thing, you might be here with it. But it's remarkable. I think this thing is quite remarkable. Um, so I've had this thing for about three years. I have like three different Bibles on it. I have a lot of books on it. I have every note that I've ever taken on it. And I think there's five people that I know of who bought one of these because of me. Because I can't keep my mouth shut about it. And I just love to talk about it because it's sweet. Um, I don't have to carry so many books with me. I just can carry this thing with me. Basically, it's a digital note-taking device that I can take notes on a few of like pen and paper, or pencil and paper. If you want to try it out, come talk to me later. I do get commission, no I don't. But, um, but the other day, Fergie was using it for uh, work, well, teaching the word underneath the tent. And I'm like, yes, he's gonna use this thing, I'm excited, I love this thing. But to be honest, I was a little nervous. I'm like, oh, the thing I love is being put up on display. Um, I haven't charged it for like a week. The battery could die. I was a little nervous about that. I'm like, the Wi-Fi wasn't great over there. And then the Zoom feature, it wasn't perfect and it wasn't working. And then halfway throughout it, he kind of stopped using it. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay. No one's, no one's going to like that thing. Um, but with this remarkable, it's something I love. It's still not perfect. Like the Wi-Fi could go out. The battery could go out. But with God, like we're talking about God, who is the great I am, who had no beginning nor no end. He is far greater than the dumb remarkable. Like his, he never goes E on, on his battery. Like there's no Wi-Fi issues. Like he is perfect and righteous. Um, he is he is the maker of all things. He is good. He is beautiful. He is glorious. And so, I, this leads me to: if you truly behold the greatness of God, you will want to talk about Him. So I have um, a story I want to share about Jim Elliot. Raise your hand if you know who Jim Elliot is. About half of you. Um, he was a famous missionary who died at age 28 attempting to share the gospel with the, the Quechua people in Ecuador. Um, and he had a promising ministry in front of him, and I think he probably would have been a very successful pastor, but his parents were not too happy with him that he wanted um, to go to South America. And so there's this letter that he wrote to his parents, and I just wanted to share it's a portion of it, a small portion of it. And this is Jim Elliot writing to his parents. I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America, he replied on August 8th. This is nothing else than what the Lord Jesus warned us, warned us of when he told the disciples that they must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following him that all other allegiances must become as though they were not. So I want to look at that, that one key word there, infatuated that we must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following him that all other allegiances must become as though they were not. So why the word infatuated? I think it's because Christianity is much more than right thinking about his kingdom. It's not just knowing the right things or the right thinking, but it's about the right feeling about his kingdom, about Christ. It's about the right allegiance to the kingdom. 
It's not just about the right things about, about Jesus, but it's about loving his beauty and greatness. So the question is, is what are you infatuated with? What is grabbing your heart? What are you looking to for happiness? Maybe is it comfort? Is it money? Is it attention? Is it success? Is it recognition? Is it family? Whatever that fill in the blank is, what is that? Because if God is not your greatest treasure, if you're not infatuated with him, like you won't want to do evangelism for the long run. And I think this goes back to the psalm that we read. When you, when you see that his greatness is unsearchable, your desire is to want to declare his greatness. So this is, this is what we want you guys, to look to Christ and be so infatuated with him that your heart will sell everything to follow Jesus, even to the ends of the earth, and even out there on Myrtle Beach and in Walmart, wherever you're working, that you would treasure him above all things. And you can't help but talk, to, talk about him. Um, and just like Derek could rattle off 10 things that I love, because this is what we do, we talk about things that we love. So Jesus wants your heart, not just your obedience. And I think that's why Jim Elliott went to South America, because he was more infatuated with Christ than anything else. And, we, we, and he wanted that for others as well. So the last point I'm going to talk about is the exclusivity of Christ. So a few years ago, I was on a cruise with Ariana and her family. I gained like five pounds. I ate a lot of food. It was all you can eat. Um, but one of those nights, I was talking to her brother, and we're talking about Christianity, and it came to the point where I, I, at some point I said, I believe that Jesus is the only way. And he got so upset with me. He thought that was awful. He thought I was being small-minded, um, that I believed that. And I thought, he thought that what if there was a different, you know, a different um, country where they also had a similar person as Jesus who died and, and atoned for people's sins, or you know, that were taking away people's sins. And I think the, the great mistake there is that there can be no one other than Jesus. And we're gonna, I'm gonna show you why. And I don't think he saw this. But if, if we don't understand that Jesus is totally other or holy, as Chase was talking about, and greater than all things, then I think believing Jesus is the only way to get to heaven will be offensive and not make sense. So John 14, six says this. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he's saying that no one comes to the Father except through me. And um, why is he the only way to the Father? We could just end there because that's in the Bible. Let's just move on and leave it. But I think this other passage kind of shows you why Jesus is the only way. And that's Colossians 1, 15 through 20. So this is talking about Jesus. Jesus, and this is similar to the I am. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God, God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the flood of his cross. So, two things I wanted to look at here quick. First one is in verse 19, it says, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So that great I am, 
that we talked about all of who God is was pleased to dwell in Christ and only Christ. Everything was made through him and for him and by him. Like there is no other. Like that's why it's only through Christ can we be saved. And so when I think of the greatness of God and who he is, that is, was, was fully, that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. And so it just causes us, me, to want to look to Christ and see his beauty and his greatness and his grandness. And I think when we are infatuated by that and who he is, we will want to talk about him. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll, we'll jump into a workshop time. Father, um, we thank you for who you are and everything that we might be feeling right now. I pray that um, we would be able to look to you, that instead of looking within, we would look to you and see that who you are, who is, who is sending us and who is with us changes everything. And you are the great I am. Christ, um, through him, everything was made. And we have promises that you were with us. And we have we are united to Christ. So Christ is in us now. That is such a wonderful gift. And so, what do we have to fear? You own everything. You own the whole world. You own that beach. So let us let us treasure you and, and, and enjoy that. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We will take a three-minute break, and we'll come back together, and we'll do workshop. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2023 Summer Training Project, hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of the North Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.